welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Where we come from in Cameroon, there is a tribe in the western part of the country, and that tribe, they have a logo in, in their, their culture, they have a logo. And in that logo, the way it is made, it's kind of like a snake that is carved in a way that it's kind of like it comes like a U-shape and then it crosses each other. And then it has two heads. And anybody from that tribe, they always call them two-head snake. They call them two-head snake. Anybody from that tribe, they call them two-head snake. And that tribe, they call them the Bamum people. That is their name, the Bamum people. Well... One of the reasons they call them the two-head snake based on the logo of their culture is because you can hardly trust them. I mean, you cannot trust them. You don't just trust them because somebody can present to you right now that they like you or they love you, and then the, the moment you turn your back, they can stab you instantly. So that is why they use that, that logo that says uh, you don't, that two-head snake. At one time, they say one thing, they say another time, they say So you cannot trust them. Have you ever heard somebody, I know there is also a slang this way where uh, a similar situation is attributed to somebody who is untrustworthy. There should be a slang. There should be a way they call that, that kind of person. Somebody that you cannot trust at all. Today they will show you that they are, I tell you a better word is like a chameleon, right? Chameleon keeps on changing. Chameleon change with the environment. Yeah, I think that is a better word. So this, this evening, my message, the topic is God will judge everybody or God will judge everyone. Now, listen, you come to a church like this one. You see the pew is full. You find people every day, so many people. And the way people present themselves, anybody walking in, the, in, that, in that building, walking into the congregation, presumably, everybody should assume that everybody who walks up to the church is supposed to be a Christian, right? It should be that way. That everybody who comes to the church is, for the most part, should be a Christian. But we realize that those who call themselves Christians who have been, and they tell you testimony from, from long time memorial, whenever they became a Christian, how their conversion, how their life, the conversion story or conversion uh, testimony was. But if you critically look at their lifestyle to match with what they say, it does not really reflect somebody who lives according to the word. This evening we want to see a similar situation that happened in the church in Rome. And I want to quickly get into uh, the background setting. Before I get into the background setting, there is a common word which actually will pivot on this evening, and that word is to judge someone. And I was trying to look at the invitation, what actually the meaning, to get a layman understanding of the meaning of judging someone, or what does it mean to judge someone. And I come out with this. To judge someone means to express a bad opinion of someone's behavior often because you think you are better than them. Let me take that all over again. To judge somebody, what does it mean to judge someone? This is a layman way of understanding. It means that to express a bad opinion of someone's behavior, often because you think you are better than them. And of course, looking at this, this, this layman definition, Usually, people are quick at judging others when they are not in good terms. We quickly conclude our judgment against people's attitude, against people's way of life, when we are not in good terms, when we don't agree, 
when there is a problem, there's a schism between us. Usually, that is how it always goes. We are quick to condemn. We are quick to judge. We are quick just to write them off, give flipping, generalized statements about the character of somebody. But most of the time, the issue is because we are not in good terms with them. And that is the same thing we are going to say in this church in, at Rome. Now, to get to the background, although the origin of the Roman house church is unknown, the founding of the church likely goes back to the visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts who came to Jerusalem at Pentecost. We can see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 10. So, so it is believed that the church in Rome was founded during the time, during Pentecost, when, when both the Jews and, 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 and the, 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 the uh, 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 young converts were coming to Rome because of Pentecost. As they came into Rome, now, there at some point, they got converted, they repented, and then they, they, they started, became part of the, of the church in Rome. Many of the visitors converted to Christianity. If we look at this in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 41. Now, during this time in Rome, there was a huge mass exodus from Rome caused by strife among Jews over, over Christ. You know, the Jews, they had their own policy. They, they, anything that was short of the, the laws of Moses and the laws which governed them, no, it would not go right. And one of the persons that the Jews actually persecuted that much was who was Jesus Christ. So they did not want to see anybody who had anything, any liaison with Jesus Christ of any kind. So seeing that you are a Christian during this time in Rome, if you're not a Jew and you're a Christian, there was that contention, there was that, that, that tension amongst them. And because of this tension, during that time, there was this, this, this king, this ruler called Clodius, and he was the one actually who expelled Priscilla and Aquila out of Rome. Okay? So this time, it was, there was a big, big tension between the Jews and, and, the, and the Christian. So uh, the Jewish-Gentile tension in Rome had a long history, and it actually did affect the church. Now, when people are not getting along in a community, when people are not getting along in the society, it affects even the church. Worst of all, if Christians are even involved in that community, and Christians also participate in whatever quarrel is going on, it's affecting the church very, 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 uh, 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 uh. it's affecting the church very, very badly. So, so uh, uh, this was a problem that was actually going on in Rome during this time. So now Paul, when Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in this room, so the, the content of Paul's letter shows that the churches experienced tension between believers from different backgrounds. So there was a lot of tension that was going on amongst Christians, unfortunately. Christians from different backgrounds. There was a lot of tension going on in that church. Just imagine like in our church here. Uh, you, you find there is just tension amongst people. There are just cliques and, and groups of people. They're just you know, they're not in, in terms with one another, one group, and just imagine us being in that kind of a milieu. Do you think that being in that kind of contention environment that the work of God will go right? It will not go right. There will be a problem. It, there will be a problem. So Paul actually wrote this. Paul wanted them to be united and to avoid dissension and false teachings. Now, this is actually revealed in Romans chapter 16, 17, and 18. It, it actually brought out the clear picture of the reason why Paul actually was writing this letter to the church in Rome. Now, when we start now to go down to, uh, uh, to break down the verses from verse 1. Now, in verse 1, the subject in this chapter refers to the Jews. So, the subject actually here is the Jews. The subject actually here is the Jews. The Jews, they were really not happy. The Jews, they felt like they were, they, they felt like threatened. The Jews, they were, you know, 
their religion is, is such in a way that if you are not part of them, then you, it's like you are nonsense. If you're not part of them, then there is, no, there, is no, there is no need being around them. So in a situation like that, in a situation like that, in a situation where there is, there is fighting, in a situation where there is disunity, in a situation where there is tension, God's work cannot move. It cannot flourish. Worst of all, when the same people who call themselves Christians are involved in the fighting, then we are not having a good testimony around that environment. Then the Holy Spirit, we are depriving the Holy Spirit from moving. And as we go on with this lesson, I just want to ask yourself, do you have a kind of attitude that, are you that one who always likes to, to criticize? Are you that one who always likes to condemn? Are you that one who always likes to, to blame, to lay blames on people? You know, there are some people that they like to blame and condemn and complain about everything and over nothing. If as, as far as something does not fall within the square of their box, then it is useless. This kind of attitude, it is not good. This kind of attitude, this is one of the reasons why when Paul wrote this, he was making sure that he wrote this letter to the church in Rome to address the situation. Now, because of this now, in verse 1, in verse 1, Paul wrote, he says that, he said, therefore, every one of you who judges he, uh, is without excuse. So, he said, therefore, thou art inexcusable, inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. So, Paul said that any one man, any person who judges, and remember, whenever there is a fight, Whenever there is people are fighting each other, when any congregation that people there is fighting, there is quarreling, you know, we are quick at judging others. We say that he is not doing it enough. We say that this is not what he is. He say he is. You know, we, we, we give all kinds of appellation, write people up with all kinds of judgment. And then now we take the position. And I want to take us back to our destination, what I said. That judging someone to express a, a bad opinion of someone's behavior often because you think you are better than that person. So it is difficult. It is a human nature that when you're not in good terms with somebody, you always, the next thing is what? You criticize. And when you criticize, you judge, you condemn, you blame. This is not a, a good attitude that a Christian should have. This is not a good attitude that we Christians should adopt and even to live in. This is like people who don't know the truth. This, this is the kind of attitude of people who don't know the truth. So Paul wrote here, he says that, he says that, therefore, so the word therefore, as, as, as opening in this uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it connects, Paul connects, make connection to an argument which he just made in chapter 31, verse 2. And in that chapter 30, uh, chapter 1, verse 32, Paul says that, although they know God's, God's uh, sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. So when Paul says that, therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse, Paul actually was making connection. He was making allusion now to verse 30, uh, chapter 1, verse 32, that he has just concluded in talking about a situation in that chapter. So Paul says that, he says that there is no excuse for anyone is, who is a judge. There is no excuse for any Christian, any believer who quickly writes up the other one. There is no excuse if your attitude is that one who always judge, who always condemn, you always find blame. It's like you are a false finder. 
If we, as we're supposed to be a body of Christ, if we are always, if we have that kind of attitude or character where we always find blame on people, always find blame on people. Now, let me ask this question. Don't give me the answer. If I am that kind of a person, that kind of a Christian, am I building or I'm tearing up? Because if I'm always trying to, 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 to depreciate somebody, to degrade one person, always say negative about the person, always negative, am I supposed to build or am I supposed to destroy? I think the answer is anybody who finds his or herself always condemning a, past, a, a Christian, always condemning and condemning and blaming, you are tearing up, you are ripping apart that body, the body of Christ. And that is why the church of God today is suffering because inside the church of God, we Christians, unfortunately, sometimes we are the enemies to ourselves. We are the enemies to the body of Christ. We judge and judge and condemn and judge and condemn. That is a bad attitude. And Paul says that, therefore, there is no excuse for anybody who is responsible of always judging and judging and condemning and blaming and blaming and blaming. It is not a good attitude. Then he goes further. He says that, for when you judge another, you condemn yourself since you, the judge, do the same things. It's funny because in this church at Rome, this church in Rome, even though there were people who were exhibiting this kind of I know it all attitude and complaining, complaining and blaming people, the same things that they were condemning, they found themselves entangled in it. So there was no difference with what they said and the people that they criticized with what they do. So their works, their words did not match their actions. So therefore they were hypocrites. And God does not like hypocrites. Hypocrisy is sinful. So that is why Paul says that it is inexcusable for such a person that if you know that you are gifted, you have that gift of condemning, that gift of blaming, I call it a gift because some people enjoy doing it. There are some people they enjoy, they really enjoy doing that. They blame, they condemn. That's supposed to be a gift, right? But not from God. But if, fellow brothers, if you are that person that you find yourself that the devil surrounds you, using you in that way, that every time you have this attitude that you don't see anything good from anybody just because maybe because you are not in good terms with that person just know that that is wrong this was what it was happening in that church and it was killing the church so bad therefore the man who judges proves himself to be without excuse so anybody when you judge and condemn that means that you are proven like you know it all like you don't have any excuse but listen to what paul says it says that the judge is without excuse if he commits wrong. So if you, you who claims to know and be that judge, if you commit wrong, you'll be without excuse. The judge is without excuse if he commits wrong. Because as a judge, he knows the law. He of all men cannot plead ignorance. See, in this situation here, the people, they indulge in condemning they indulge in blaming. Very negative, everything about them. They did not see good in anyone who does not resemble whatever their opinion was. And this kind of attitude, it was tearing the church apart. So that's why Paul had to take the time to write to them. To write to them, try to adjust the situation. Say, listen, this aspect of division, this aspect of condemning and blaming, you who is responsible for blaming, listen, you don't have any excuse. God is going to judge you for that. Because you are supposed to build, not to destroy. 
God has given us this prescription, enough words, enough counsel words here that we can use us how to win a fellow brother or sister who actually is being deviated from the cause. We are not called to judge and to condemn and to look down on others. This is an unhealthy attitude that Paul was addressing in that church of Rome. Then we go now to verse... Um, um, Paul said, just as a man who, so, who suppresses the truth is unrighteous, is without excuse, in, in chapter 1, verse 18, so is the man who judges another and yet does the same thing. If you look, chapter 1, 18 to 20. Then he says that spiritual pride and accusatory attitudes cut off from the love of God as surely as the other sin. So Jesus thought and Paul here, he warned us. So when we feel that we know a lot, that we judge people, that we, we, we know so much, just be careful that you should not be caught in the same thing that you are criticizing. Just, just make sure that you are that super righteous whereby you are really Holy Spirit sound and approved by heavenly counsel that you have that aspect of that mortality in you and that frailty of mind has been taken away from you. But as long as we know human beings as we still live in this, this earth, all of us, we have mistakes. So why should we therefore stand and, and judge and condemn our fellow Christians just because we have some misunderstanding? So Paul was writing to address this situation. That listen, you are a, you, 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 the church is a body of Christ. The church is a body of Christ. We ought to live in unity. If there's a problem, there's a better way of, of us handling our problem as prescribed from the scripture rather than standing and condemning. And, and worst of all is that uh, some people, they are so gifted that they, 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 they are influential in a way that they can easily connect to other people. And before you know it, they bring so many people now to themselves to stand and criticize the person that they disagree with. That is not the Christian attitude. We are not instruments of the devil. When we gossip, when we gossip and talk evil against people, we are no different than the situation that Paul actually was addressing here in the church of Rome. No. We ought to be people who are protagonists for, for righteousness. We have the people who will fight for righteousness, fight to build our fellow brothers and sisters, not to see their weaknesses and then we crush them and then tomorrow we find ourselves falling in the same situation that we were criticizing or condemning people or judging people against. Paul says that there is no excuse if you are such a person. There is no excuse. Now, when we go down to verse 2, Paul now brings a very powerful remark. And Paul says in verse 2, he says that the coming judgment will be based on God's truth, which no account of human opinion or protest can alter. In verse 2, he says that we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on, on the truth. The only person who can judge us here and whose judgment actually that nobody can escape that nobody can go around, that is God. And he judged us from the truth. If God actually judged us from the truth, what does the truth say to you about how to handle or deal with your brother and sister who actually makes mistakes? What does the truth say to you about addressing a situation where you are in conflict with a fellow brother or sister? That is the truth because all those, they are entailed in the word of God. That is the truth. So God now when he judges, he will judge you on his truth. If you had a problem with somebody, God has given a prescription in his word. How to use his word to able to go and handle a problem. As you might remember, Matthew 18 is one of them. 
The prescription that is given in, in the account of Matthew is not the one that tells you to condemn somebody, to destroy a brother, to, to kind of tarnish the image of a fellow brother or sister. No. It tells you that if you have a problem, this is the approach as a Christian. This is the approach you have to take. So when Paul says that the judgment that God is going to judgment is based on the truth, that is the truth right there. That when the time comes, God is going to ask you, Mr. A or B, I gave you in this book all prescription how to deal with the problem you had with Mr. X in, that, in the church. Did you handle it? Is that the protocol? That, is that the way that you use? But unfortunately, we allow emotions to play over that we jump and we want to publicize the evil or mistakes of a fellow brother or sister that is supposed to be part of your body, the body of Christ. And Paul says that to such person, there is no excuse. No excuse because you who also you condemn like that, you also you are a prey to all those mistakes. As a matter of fact, you even make those same mistakes. Why would you go outside there and tarnish the image of a fellow brother or sister? Otherwise, you could have used the prescription that God has given in his word how to deal with that problem. God's judgment is impartial. When we go down to verse 3, Paul brings a very strong warning. Paul brings down a very strong warning in verse 3. He said, do you really think? <laughs> King James says that, and thinkest thou this? Do you really think? And thinkest thou this? Do you really think? Oh man, that, that judges them which do such things and doeth the same that thou shalt escape God's judgment or the judgment of God. So do you really think you who judge, you who condemn, you who tarnish the image of other people, you who always prove that you are know it all, do you think that when you do this that you are going to escape God's judgment? No way. No way. No way. Listen, brothers and sisters, God has given us one good thing that we supposed to celebrate every day is God's word because everything is found inside. There is nothing, there is nothing, as a matter of fact, there is nothing, no problem here on earth that does not have the solution inside this book. I can really debate on that very powerfully. No solution, every solution to the world's crisis is found inside this book, the Bible. So when we neglect the Bible, we don't utilize it the way we ought to utilize it to deal with human problems, to deal with problems that concern us, then we will be like the people in this church where they were good at judging instead. Use the scripture to correct situation. No, they go and judging and condemn. We will be like that people. We will be like the Pharisees. What difference does it make if we are out and, and, and killing each other, his fellow brother and sister, and condemning each other. What difference does it make for us to still call ourselves that we are Christians? Because as a Christian, you are not supposed to live that kind of lifestyle. As a Christian, any fellow brother or sister that we find like gathering here, we are one, we are body of Christ. So if I hurt you, in effect, I'm also hurting myself because we are what? We are one body. We ought to look for ways to handle the shortcomings. We ought to look for ways to handle our mistakes in love according to God's word. We are not given the mandate to go and condemn other people and criticize them and, and say all oh, what terrible things about them just because maybe we are not agreeing. But that is no point. That is no point. So Paul is writing to address this situation. He says that, listen, if you are that kind of person, listen, 
there is no way that we can, we can escape God's judgment. Because in that verse 3, one of the things that Paul actually brought for us, says that Paul warns there will be no escape for hypocrites during God's judgment. All humans, great or small, will be raised to stand before God's judgment. Uh, chapter 14, verse 10, and uh, Revelation chapter 20, 11 to 15. Whether small or, or big or rich or poor, all of us, all, we shall stand one day, one by one, in front of God to face the judgment. So how we live our lives will determine how our judgment will be. How we live our life and deal with people today will determine how our judgment will be. Listen, nobody has guarantee for this life. This life does not belong to you and me. We are just, this is just a, the life that we live is just a, a gift of God. God at any time, if he, if he makes a finger like this, <laughs> we don't have no control. So the time that we have, let us utilize the time that God has given us to be good people for the Lord. And when I say good people for the Lord, be good people for your brothers and sisters. Because goodness in itself is a way, an act of worship of the, to the Lord. Being good is an act of worship to the Lord. Well, Jesus quoted somewhere, I think in Matthew, he talks about if, if two houses, they fight, are they going to stand? No way. A, a nation that fights against each other, it cannot stand. And that is what is happening in our church, in, in the church of Rome. And that is what is happening in our churches today. We cannot stand if we turn to fight each other. There is a common person out there that we need to unite our force and fight against. That is who? That is the devil. That is the devil. Not to fight against ourselves, fight each other. When we fight each other and fighting each other, we are doing what? We are rendering the mission and serving, doing the service of the devil. Because that is what he takes delight in. John 10, 10, what does he say? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. Unfortunately, a lot of us Christians, so-called believers, we are missionaries for the devil. We fight against each other. We don't forgive our fellow brother or sister. We try look for ways to pull somebody down. Look for ways to condemn that person. Just because maybe you disagree with one thing. And the next thing you're looking for is to tarnish the image and to pull, how to pull that person down. No. In the church of God, it, it is uncalled for. Doing that is serving the devil. Doing that, you are a missionary for the devil. So Paul is addressing this tonight. He's telling us that fellow brothers and sisters, listen. Say, all these things, we need to forget them. And come together as fellow brothers and sisters so that we can better serve our God. There is something that unites us in common that is more powerful than the things that can even divide us. That is God's spirit. God's spirit in us that unites us is more powerful than anything that we can ever think or imagine. So if God's spirit is in me and God's spirit is in you and we are fighting each other, <laughs> is the spirit of God wrestling against each other? That is supposed to be unheard of. That's supposed to be unheard of. Unity does not mean uniformity. That's not what I mean. Yes, we can have some differences. But our differences should not make us to be really apart. No. It should not. As believers, it should not. As a matter of fact, our, our differences should even be our strength. Because that is diversity in the body of Christ. And, and, and Corinthians talk about it. Ephesians talk about it. And Paul even talk about it. Let's not give room for the devil. Enough is enough, fellow brothers and sisters. Enough is enough. So Paul says that the wise and the best thing to do is to settle your case with God before the judgment time. I think that's the best thing. If you are such a person that you allow yourself with the devil to use, I think the best thing we can do is just make sure that you settle it with the Lord so quick. And let's not give the devil to have a, a big grasp over us. And when we move now to the next section, verse 24, uh, uh, verse uh, 21 to 24, Paul underlines the inconsistency of the Jews, the Jews and their attitude. Now, in verse 21, Paul says that ye then, you will teach another. Don't you teach yourself? You who preach, 
you must, you must not steal. Do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who, who detest idols, do you rob their temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor uh, God by breaking the law? And then look at this verse 24. What verse 24 says, very, very powerful. If there is one thing that you must take, if, you, if, if there is one thing that I will really plead that you take away from this lesson, this is it. Verse 24 says that, it says, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The name of the Lord is blasphemed in front of the Gentiles because of your attitude. Let's put it this way in our context. You are acting, you are acting, your attitude is acting as a hindrance to that next door neighbor who was really willing and to receive Christ. But the way they saw you living, your attitude actually is scared them the more from coming to the Lord. And if the Lord should ask you that and, and, and said to you that, listen, your attitude is because of your attitude, because of your lifestyle, that all these neighbors around here, they are running away from coming to me. Because you are coming to church, they know that you are coming to church, but your lifestyle does not reflect, does not represent anything at all with what is preached in the word of God. Do you see that? This is not a joke. It's not a joke. And if, 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 if Paul should address this and, and call your name because of your attitude, and Paul says that, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. That God's name is blasphemed because of you. That's powerful, right? That's really, really powerful. And it's something that it should concern each and every one of us here. And I should ask this question, and you should be asking this question. People who know me as a Christian, people see me carrying this big Bible to church every day. People see me who come to church. I want you to ask yourself what's that question. Deep inside you, or deep inside me, Am I a Christian indeed? Or there are certain things, a certain way of lifestyle that I have in me that people are seeing, even though I kind of like a double lifestyle, that two-head snake that I said earlier. That one at one hand they'll see me carrying the Bible here, on another hand, they're seeing me with, with fornication or immorality in this hand. On one hand, they see me carrying a Bible here. On the other hand, they see me with a knife that I'm stabbing a fellow believer, stabbing a fellow Christian. At one hand, they see me carrying a Bible here. On the other hand, they see me gossiping and slandering a fellow believer. At one hand, they see me carrying a Bible here. On the other hand, they see me going to places that, as a believer, as a Christian, I was not supposed to be there. God's name is being blasphemed amongst you. And Paul calls them up. He says that you teach others. Teach yourself. You preach. Be example. You ask others not to commit adultery. Be faithful. You who detest idol, don't even go there. I want to read the last passage here before we go to some lessons to learn from. Three lessons. Let me, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 23 verse 13. Matthew 23 verse 13. Matthew chapter 23 verse 13. This is what is written. This is a warning. Listen. This is Jesus himself that spoke. He says that, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. 
For you neither enter yourself nor allow those who will enter to go in. You shut the door from other people. Like you stand at the door of the church, the door through which Paul will have their salvation. You stand there, you block it. People really want to go in, but you stand right there, block it, key it, so that people cannot come in. Do you know how that works? It's our character, our lifestyle, the things that we see, we do, the things that we do in hiding, the things that we do in hiding. People see those things, when people see that we do those things, it is doing what it's like. We are blocking them from entering. Yet, ourselves, we are not entering. And that's why Paul is addressing this situation. He says that, for the name of the Lord God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you because of our attitude. I think it's time that Christians, we need to stand on. Listen, this is not a joke. Because someday, all of us, or we are going to stand in front of the Lord to give an account how we live our lives. We ought to build. We ought to encourage. We need to build each other up. We don't need to tear them and rip them apart. We don't need to slander them and destroy them. They are fellow believers. They are fellow brothers like you and myself. That is the body, the body of Christ. Each time you are slandering or talking against and negatively about a fellow believer, you are putting a crack to the body here. That's what it looks like. And some three, some, to the last point, let's go for some lessons to learn from, uh, from this text. The first thing is, the first truth about this text is, I have it to be, to be projected, please. Say, so God shall judge everyone, including you and me. The question is, are you ready to face God's judgment? That's the first truth. God shall judge everyone. You included and me. The question is, are we ready? Are you ready to face God's judgment? The second lesson that we, we're supposed to learn from this is that God knows all those who are fake and counterfeit. And he shall separate the sheep from the goat. That is in Matthew chapter uh, 25, verse 32, 33. It talks about when, how God shall separate the sheep from the goat. He sees us, he knows us. We may hide it from people. We may keep that our sacred lifestyle and hide it from people. We may, we may come here and wear the best and make the best presentation and run out there and feel that we shut the world from seeing the things that we do in hiding. Trust me, God's time is coming. God's time is coming. We may succeed to hide it from people, but not from God. The time is coming when God shall do what? He will, he will separate the sheep from the goat. Those who are fake and counterfeit. He's going to separate them. And lastly, point number three. The truth is that you can make peace with God here and now if you are not 100% sure to make heaven if you die. All of us seated here, if you are not sure that 100% when you die, you will see God. I think this is the time that you want to think about it to make peace with God and say enough is enough. I've really been an, an instrument to facilitate the activities of, of Satan. Enough is enough. I want a, 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 an about turn right now. John 3, 16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I like that, I emphasize whosoever, meaning it's not limited to a particular people, particular race, particular tribe, particular nation, particular class, whosoever means whosoever 
believes in him should not perish. <laughs> Who but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. I want to give this opportunity. Let us stand on our feet, please. Is there anyone here? This lesson, this, I said this is one of the most difficult lessons I've prepared to preach. Message I've, I've prepared to preach. Most really difficult. I don't know why it was difficult, but I believe that the Lord has spoken. And I want to give this chance to anybody here. As you are standing, just imagine yourself that if Christ were to come right now and call you by your name and say that, are you ready 100% sure that if I call you home, you will enter, what will you say? It's good to make good use of the time while we have it. Anybody who wants to surrender their life to Jesus Christ? Just, just raise, lift your hand. We'll just indicate what they have to show. Is there anybody here? Anybody here who wants to surrender their life to Jesus Christ? If you have never, if you know you are not a believer here, you want to surrender to Jesus Christ, this is a time place. Or is there anybody who thinks that you really love this church, you want to join the church? The doors are always open all the, day, all the time. Anybody who wants to join this church, who will embrace you, receive you, and you become part of us. Anyone? Let us pray. Father, we want to say thank you, Holy Spirit, for this moment. Believe that, Father, you have spoken. Because you can even use stones to use for your own glory. You can use whatever instrument you want to use to deliver your message. I believe that, God, you have spoken. As we continue to meditate on that word. Holy Spirit, may you reveal some of those attitudes and character, ways of life that act as a hindrance to other people. Father, may you reveal some of those way, lifestyle which is not really, really friendly, even amongst fellow believers. Father, those, that, that, that spirit that always comes in between and makes us to be angry and want to look for means to destroy a fellow brother or sister when we are not in agreement with Father. Make those known to us as we confess them all to you. Father, may you bless your word. Bless us all here. Hold our hands and direct us. We can't do it by ourselves. Take care of the weak. We surrender all to you. May you bless all our activities, Father. Thank you again, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.